The church is the bride of Christ. Looking at it, you sometimes wonder, why does he want her? But we'll talk about the benefits of joining a local church on Wisdom 828, where we're dedicated to stamping out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. Hi, I'm Bob Buchanan. Who are you who are so wise? Several years ago, Karen Maines wrote a story about the church from an idea she got from her husband's sermon. And I want you to hear the story and see if this doesn't ring a bell with you. Here's what she wrote. The wedding guests have all gathered in great anticipation. The ceremony uh, to be performed today has long been awaited. The bridegroom and his attendants gather in the front of the chancel. The sound of the organ rises, a joyous announcement that the bride is coming. Everyone stands and strains to get a, a proper glimpse of her beauty. And then a horrible gasp explodes from the congregation. This is a bride like no other. She stumbles in. Something terrible has happened. One leg is twisted as she limps pronouncedly. The wedding garment is tattered and muddy and great uh, tears in her dress leave her scarcely modest. Black bruises can be seen on her bare arms. Uh, the bride's nose is bloody. An eye is swollen yellow and purple in its discoloration. Patches of hair look as if they'd actually been pulled out of her scalp. F fumbling over the keys, the organist begins again after this shocked pause. The attendants cast their eyes down. The congregation mourns silently. Surely the bridegroom deserved better than this. That handsome prince who has kept himself faithful to his love should find consummation with the most beautiful of women. Not this. His bride, the church, has been fighting again. Now, if you grew up in the church, you've probably seen the ugly side of church fighting itself instead of fighting the enemy of our souls. Perhaps right after graduation from high school, you were gone, determined never to look back. Or maybe you're uh, the new believer who came into the church with all sorts of high expectations that your relationships would be different this time. They'd be characterized by gentleness, real concern, huge barrels of grace, plenty of smiles and encouragement towards godliness. But instead, you met abuse and gossip, slander, betrayal, and demanding leaders who shamed you for not giving to the building project or coming on Wednesday night prayer meetings or evangelizing in your neighborhood or serving the youth group or the children's ministries and the nursery and feeling a little guilty for taking a night off. Of course, this isn't the way that church is supposed to be. One of my favorite passages from Colossians describes what happens to us through the agency of the Holy Spirit the abundant grace of Christ in concert with other believers as we belong to a local church. It reads like a wish list for the church. If you then have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Why? Because you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passions, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 
On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked, but you now must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Don't lie to one another, seeing that you have put off that old self with all of its practices, and you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is no Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, since Jesus is building the church, he is building a place where we learn to discard that old self and put on the new self made in the image of Christ. So, how does that work? How does the church matter in our spiritual formation? Well, here are seven biblical reasons for joining a church. First, there's spiritual protection. Do you still have any sin that really gets you down every time? Maybe a couple, they trip you up. Uh, you've probably realized that you can't always fight sin alone. Did you know that Jesus designed the church to be a sin-fighting community? Hebrews 3.13 says it. Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Exhortation simply means to come up alongside your friend, put your arm around him or her, this other believer, and encourage them to stay strong in the fight for faith. And when they fall, console them in their weakness that Jesus is stronger than any sin that can drag them down. In the church, we find support to become who we really are, sin fighters who are not ashamed of living for Christ. Second, joining a church gives us a support for a greater purpose to live than, than just for ourselves. As Christians, we know that we're part of God's big, big plans for the cosmos. Right now, we groan waiting for God to set the whole creation free from the burdens of sin. But in the meantime, we join with a group of like-minded people who love the Lord and his church and the purpose of the church, which is to in, put it in an imaginative way, be a little outpost of heaven on earth. We are citizens of another world. And we get to start living a bit of that life now, showing others who are not a part of Christ's kingdom how to become his citizens as well. Third, we get to be profitable to the spiritual development of others. We're told in 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 that God has given us certain gifts and talents uh, so that we might be uh, purposeful in the lives of other people and making a difference in their lives. As members of Christ's community in, in the local church, there are plenty of opportunities to use our gifts to further uh, the mission and the culture of the kingdom of God. And the thing to remember here is that there is no gift too small 
and no gift is the be-all and end-all of all gifts. Every gift is needed, just like you need every body part to function healthfully. Paul puts it bluntly. He says it this way, if the ear were to say, because I'm not part of the eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not keep it from being a part of the body. If the whole body were just an eye, how could it hear? And if it were only an ear, how could it smell? Well, we're far too easily distracted from the ways that we can contribute to others by comparisons with other people's gifts. God tailor-made your gifts for you to be a blessing to the body of Christ in a local church. When, when you neglect or dismiss your gifts as insignificant, you're actually robbing the ministry of your church from flourishing. Fourth, how is Christ to be seen in our world? Well, by our membership in the local church. And we demonstrate there the reality of the body of Christ in the earth. Christ is seen in the presence of the members of a local church who make him visible. And, and remember that visibility will be either for good or for ill. Paul said, all of you are Christ's body and each one is a part of his body, seen and experienced by the community. Members of a local church take the church out of the realm of theory and put it into practice. To join a particular part of the body of Christ in a local church isn't bringing something into existence that was not there before. It's simply making actual what is spiritual to prove that there is a spiritual reality of Christ. You know, it was a small thing, but the school district in which our church was situated was going through a very difficult time. And the leadership had the idea of sending notes of encouragement to the teachers and staffs of three different schools. Uh, we had the names of the personnel of the elementary, middle, and high school. And we asked our church members to adopt some of those names from a list and grab as many thank you cards as they, were, as they might have needed and write a short note of thanks and encouragement on, on behalf of our church. Now, as I said, that was just a very small thing. But over time, we heard expressions of gratitude, thanks for the encouragement from the teachers and the admin staff alike. Fifth, your membership means participation in balanced ministry. This means we need apostles, not like the original 12, but those who initiate ministry strategies where no gospel light is evident, or prophets to exhort us to holy living, evangelists to spearhead gospel initiatives, and pastors to shepherd God's people and teachers to ground us in God's word. Paul calls each of these offices gifts to the church. These gifts are highly important because they represent a balanced ministry. A balanced ministry produces spiritually healthy disciples like a balanced diet. A well-rounded ministry accomplishes several crucial goals for the local church. It prepares believers for the work of Christian service. It labors to help believers mature uh, so that they might reach the very height of Christ's full stature. We are to become strong and discerning so that we're not blown all over the place by every wind of doctrine that comes through our town or, or even being deceived by it. Under the control and direction of the Spirit, a local church is formed and held together by the connections believers make with each other so that gradually and quite perceptively, we grow up in the love the way Jesus loves. No one ever develops into a well-rounded disciple by just one source. We need a balanced diet of gifted ministries. Now sixth, joining a local church demonstrates our commitment to the proper working of each individual part. 
To be committed means that we accept responsibility uh, for the goals and the purposes of that local church. Uh, think of it like the difference between a hitchhiker and uh, the car owner. Hitchhikers assume no responsibility for the money needed to buy the car or the gas to run it or the cost of its maintenance. They do expect a comfortable and safe ride to their destination. The hitchhiker naturally assumes there's insurance and thinks nothing of asking the driver to take him to a certain place, even though it may involve going a little bit out of the way. The owner of the car assumes all of the responsibility for the car. Hitchhikers have no accountability. They just get the ride. Well, joining a church is like the driver who assumes his or her obligations to the work of the church. When you join a local church, you're saying that you believe in taking up your part for the work of that church and that you refuse to be a hitchhiker. Now, seventh, your membership is an encouragement to others to progress in the faith. You stop being an independent Christian. You accept that God has authority over your life, working through those that he has delegated as authorities in the church, meaning the pastors and teachers and a host of others who all work together. You encourage the ministry from the top to the bottom so that everyone seeing your enthusiasm keeps their commitments to the work of the ministry as well. You encourage those who have been in the church for decades, and you encourage the new believers who learn from your example that you think the local church is really important to God. And the more you encourage them, guess what? The more you'll find yourself encouraged to continue in the faith. Hebrews 10 says it this way, let us be concerned for one another, to help one another, to show love and to do good. Let's not give up the habit of meeting together as some are doing. Instead, let us encourage one another all the more since you see the day of the Lord is coming near. So, my strong recommendation to you is this. If you are not a member of a local church and, and you doubt that it's a biblical thing, check out the last Wisdom 828 to see the seven New Testament indicators of church membership. And when you're persuaded, you join your local church. Check it out, make sure it's gospel preaching, Christ exalting, spirit dependent. But once you are convinced that it is, jump in with both feet and sign on the dotted line as a symbol of your commitment to that ministry. And remember, just as no physical body can experience good health without all the parts functioning well, neither can the church reach its God-given potential without your participation. Start thinking of church as a verb, not a noun. It'll make a big difference. Well, that's all for today. Thanks for joining me and thanks to Steve Dion for being a vital member of our church, bringing all of his talents to bear to stamp out spiritual malnutrition one episode at a time. You be of good cheer.